Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good um, to, to have you guys join us today. We're super thankful uh, that you decided to be a part of what we're doing here at the Edge Church. Um, what a joy it is today. Earlier today, we recognized our grads, our fifth grade graduates and our eighth grade graduates. And we just really believe it's important to take time to honor people along the way on their journeys in this life. Like we all need encouragement. It's so great to, to get to be a part of watching the next generation growing up. It's also a big day in the Shorey household because it is Brandy's birthday. I love it. So when you see her next time, please wish her a happy birthday. I am so thankful for her. I've said before that she is the glue of our family. She's the one who's always thinking about fun things for us to do. Um, Brandy, you're a blessing to our family. You're a blessing to your coworkers. And you're certainly a blessing here at the Edge Church as you bring the gift that God has given you in teaching. You are just so free to give what you have. And I just appreciate that so much in you. Um, last week, we finished our series called Active Discipleship. Uh, we essentially unpacked what it looks like for us to live in the way of Jesus, uh, because that's what disciples do. Disciples are uh, people who follow their leader. Now, tangibly, not, not just in theory, not just theoretical stuff, but like follow their leader. And the desire for a disciple is not to create their own way, but it's to become like another person. So as disciples of Jesus, it's always our desire. It's our desire here at the Edge Church for you to look more like Jesus as you move through this life as a follower of his. But today we're in the precipice of something new, just like our uh, graduates from fifth grade and eighth grade. They're on to something new. They're on to middle school. Um, they're on to high school. Um, there's always something new for us to tackle because we always enter a new season in life. There, there are new things to learn and there are new challenges to go through and those are just part of the human experience. And that goes from the time you're really little uh, to, to when you're a little bit older and you're, you graduate from college and then you go on to, to work and you go on to become a parent and a grandparent, all those things. Like there are always things that we encounter um, that, that we need to grow into and we need growth for. So I'm going to ask you guys the question. Uh, I want you to think about this for a second. In 10 years, would you be satisfied with the lives uh, that, that your kids chose to live if they never went on to the next level, if they, if they just stopped where they were? Now, some of you might say yes because your kids, you know, are, they, they graduated from high school, they went to a trade, they graduated from college, and they went to a job. But particularly younger parents, like I'm just thinking about you guys, like, like related to the students today that, that we honored who graduated from fifth grade and eighth grade, would you be excited for them in their lives if that's all they did? Like graduating from fifth grade is great. I think we all can say like, it's awesome when you, these mile markers are all amazing, but none of you would be thrilled if your kids said, hey, mom and dad, I just want to let you know. I think that it's just time for me to move out and get a job. You know, it's like, no, fifth graders don't do that. Finishing eighth grade is awesome, but people haven't really been in awe of, of, of people who graduate from eighth grade since like 1918, when it became mandatory in the U.S. for all students to go through elementary school. Like it hasn't been an amazing thing for over 100 years. But what on earth does this concept have to do with church? I believe a whole lot because we have all seen people 
come to the church, whether it's the Edge Church or another church you were a part of, and then make decisions to follow Jesus. And that's super exciting. It's always exciting when someone turns from their sin and they turn to Jesus and they receive um, his forgiveness and he gives us the Holy Spirit to, to live in us forever. That's incredible. And then something else happens. And then for any number of reasons, it could be their growth is stunted. Maybe it's because they refuse to take personal responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Maybe it's because they don't really know what the Bible says for them and their lives. Or maybe they don't think it's important to gather with other Christians and grow. Maybe they don't see a whole lot of reason to pray because they kind of feel satisfied with what they have and they don't really think that they need to ask God for anything because they have everything they want. But the Christian experience is more of a journey than it is a moment in time. Yes, salvation comes in a moment. It's a beautiful thing when people turn to Jesus, but the learning to walk out the Christian life is something that is actually partially within our control, and it's meant to last for the rest of our earthly lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, the Apostle Paul wrote about the importance of growth on the Christian journey. He said this, he said, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And then I picture this wall. And on the other side of the wall, he says, When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Can you imagine if all of us as people said, you know what, all the childish things that I used to do, I'm going to look at it from now on like the Apostle Paul. I'm not going to allow those things to, to sneak into adulthood and sabotage my life and, and hurt other people. I, I just love how resolute he says that. When I was a child, I did childish things, and now that I'm a man, I don't. Like, that's pretty amazing. So it's incredible when people choose to follow Jesus. It's a great starting point, but it is just a starting point. And then there's this invitation that God has for us to continue moving, just like the same invitation exists in their lives today for all the graduates to continue moving through school into the next thing that God has for them. And today we're going to kick off a brand new sermon series, and we've called it Empowered, and it's based in the book of Acts. Acts was written by Luke. Uh, Luke was the author of the Gospel of Luke, and he was a physician. And it serves as a continuation of the movement of God that, that Luke records uh, about the, the record of Jesus' life on earth. And then Jesus died, he was buried, and he resurrected. And then we move into the book of Acts and we see the establishment, the, the beginning of the church that exists that we get to be a part of today. Even though the Gospels record that Jesus appeared to his followers and to other people many times and even ate with them, I mean, I think you can understand why, but they had a hard time processing it all. And it, the, one line in there I think is powerful. Um, in the Gospel record, it says that their joy, their joy almost clouded their minds. Like it, They were like so joyful to see Jesus that they couldn't process all the fact that he really was real, that he really was alive. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. What is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms? 
Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, what is this promise? What is this promise of the father? The promise of God the father was the Holy Spirit. The guarantee of heaven for all who would receive forgiveness of their sins from Jesus. The the Father promises the Holy Spirit will live in us, guaranteeing that we get to cross over and we get to be in heaven with with God. Um, So so this is the guarantee. Um, That's the promise of the Father is, is the guaranteed Holy Spirit to come to us and live in us. But there's so much more purpose There's so much more purpose than just securing human entry into heaven, but to learn to live like Jesus and to be empowered to witness to everyone who needs to be saved by God through Jesus. In the Gospel of John chapter 14, the disciples of Jesus were troubled as they started to understand what Jesus was talking about. they, They suddenly realized that he was preparing them to live without him. He was talking about his death and they got really confused. And in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, um, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and you will, and he will be in you. So all of this is the backdrop for the beginning of the the, the start of the book of Acts, where the church began. And the disciples, they waited, just like Jesus said, they waited in Jerusalem. And then uh, we we get a little intro in in Acts chapter 1. And then in Acts chapter 2, everything changes. The one thing that happened that changed the course of history for how the church came about. It was the day of Pentecost. Uh, which was the commemoration of the giving of the law. And it was also the time to celebrate uh, the the harvest of the first wheat. We're going to come back to the significance of that in just a second. But I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this was clearly a shocking event, right? This was different than anything that had ever happened. Uh, but but as shocking and, and as showy as that almost looks, almost looks showy, like, whoa, that's a big display. It was not designed by God to be showy, but it was to demonstrate the reality of Jesus being the Savior of the world. It was to validate all the things that God had promised through Jesus and all that Jesus had promised before he left the earth. So I want you to picture this. So it's the celebration of Pentecost, which it it was the commemoration of um, the giving of the law, and it was the, the celebration of the first harvest of wheat. So Jews from all over the world were all in this one area. And 
God wanted people that day to know something, like, like something new had happened, something they, uh, so, something that they needed to understand from that day on, that, that God was on a mission to seek and save the lost. And it was his, his desire to start the beginning of the harvest of souls, of all of those who di- did not yet know him, by the empowerment of all of his people by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see the results of just that moment when, when God sent the Holy Spirit. So all of these tongues of fire landed on these people. They spoke in these, they spoke in languages that, that, that only, like they didn't know, they weren't taught these languages, but they spoke in languages that all these people, all these Jews from around the world heard in their own language. And they were convinced there is something powerful going on. And, and, and listen to this, Acts chapter 2, verses 40 and 41. And this is speaking of uh, Peter because he was preaching. It says, with many other words, he warned them. That's Peter. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 were added to their number. What number? Well, the number in the church. So it was a small gathering of the apostles. And all of a sudden, God shows up in this incredibly powerful, unique way. Through, through the Holy Spirit, and suddenly the preaching was lit on fire, like tongues of fire. It's, it, it was empowered by God. It hit differently, and all of a sudden, 3,000 people became Christians. Now, the book of Acts moves incredibly quickly. It's jam-packed with action, as it should be, right? Acts, action. But there are several themes that you're going to see a whole lot of over these next handful of months as we go through part of the book of Acts. Here's the first idea that you're going to see a lot of. I really want you to get this. God's desire to save people, uh, God's desire to save the people he created is insatiable. God's desire to save the people he created is insatiable. So who did he create? He created everybody. He created me. He created you. He created the people that you like the least in the whole world. He, He created the people that you'll never meet. That, that you might not care about, that you might have a bias against. He, he created the people that you don't like, that you don't love. Sometimes you might harbor hatred in your heart against him. And here's the bottom line. God still wants that person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. And we're going to see that is the main point of, of, of the Holy Spirit coming. It was a movement of God designed to save people from every tongue, from every tribe, from every nation. That is God's desire. You're going to see all sorts of things in in Acts about the, the movement of God. All of it, though, is pointing to the reality that God is building a bridge to invite his lost ones home. That's what it's all about. If you don't catch every single detail, just keep that in the back of your mind. Keep that as the, the backdrop of the story in Acts. So every miracle performed, and miracles are amazing. It's something that God does that's outside of what's ordinary, outside of something that's normal. Every miracle you read about in the book of Acts, no matter what it was for, is to point people to the one who saves and restores. It's powerful, right? Every missionary journey that was done is done because of God's great love for the whole world, that he went into all the world. He didn't just ask the world to come to him. He went into the world, and he asked us to do that too. Don't ever, ever think that there's anyone in your life or in this world that God isn't for and doesn't love. 
John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world, remember, that's everybody, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Acts is all about this divine rescue mission, and it's done through fallible humans, normal people like you and me. When you read about these people, you're going to be tempted to sort of like look at them all as heroes. Nope, they were just normal people that said yes to the movement of God in their lives, and they became empowered by the Holy Spirit. What an odd and beautiful plan, right? Doesn't make any sense to me still. All these years later that I've been a Christian now over 20 years, still makes no sense to me at all. But I love that he wants, to, he wants to use each of us to be a part of accomplishing his mission. Here's the second theme that we're going to see a whole lot of. Even evil plans are leveraged by God for the good of those he came to save. Let me say that again. Even evil plans are leveraged by God for the good of those he came to save. This is a tough one for us. We don't love evil plans. We don't like to, we don't like to experience them. We don't like to see them. Um, the, the sense of justice rises up in us. And, and listen, evil will be punished, undoubtedly. But evil does exist. And over and over, you're going to see things that happen to the apostles, some really tragic things. You're going to say, it's not fair. They were serving God. I don't understand this. But the reality is, God will take every single thing no matter how bad it is, to leverage it for the good of those he came to save. Everything he does in our lives is, is part of seeking and saving the lost. We're going to see difficulties and, and persecution, and we're going to see obstinate, cold-hearted people. We're going to see all kinds of evil unleashed on God's people, the ones who are doing his plan. And over and over and over again, what you're going to see is that God's plan will continue to move forward. Because he is always, always outmaneuvering the devil and his plans. Makes me think automatically of the, the book of Genesis when Joseph was finally in a position at the very end of the, 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 the story of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, Joseph was finally in a position that he could have gotten even with his brothers for all that they'd done to him. All the things that they put him through and all the years that he struggled and was falsely accused and was held captive and just it just never seemed like things were going to turn out for Joseph. And then all of a sudden, he had this authority and his brothers had to come before him. And this is what happened. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We're going to see over and over and over again in the book of Acts that God is working through everything and everyone to save his people because he is for you. He is not against you. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says this about God's tenacity and his patience. I love this. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of you understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Here's the final theme that I believe you're going to see a lot of in the book of Acts 
that God works the very most through communities empowered by his spirit. God works the very most through communities empowered by his spirit. Do you know what another name for that is? It's the church. That's what the church is. The church is not a location. It's an empowered people. I'm going to say it again. I hope all of us at some point can, can, can stop saying things like, hey, are you going to church on Sunday or are you coming to church next week? We need to start recognizing that, that the church is a people and wherever God's people are, the church exists. To me, that's beautiful and powerful. Church is not a location. It's an empowered people to do the will of God. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. This is just such a beautiful picture. And I think this really shows the heart of God for, for community. It's this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May God empower us on this journey to be whatever the 21st century version of that looks like. It probably isn't going to look exactly the same as that. We have all sorts of different technology and cars and we live farther apart. But God, what is it that you have for us? And help us in the Edge Church community to do that. Meet us here, Lord. Help us to be where you are. Can we just pray together? And I'm just going to ask you as, as I start to pray, just, just in your own words, just ask God to give you a fresh sense of awe of what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in the edge, and that the Holy Spirit would just have his way in us and through us. Let's just pray. God, I ask you to give every single one of us in this community and every single person who claims the name of Jesus, who has the Holy Spirit living within, within them, whether it's at the edge or any other church in our community, in, in Aurora, in the suburbs, in Illinois, in our country, North America, throughout the world, God, we pray for a fresh revelation of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to come here, Lord. I pray that this would be a revelation that is so powerful, that's so unique, that it would drive us, that you would drive us for the rest of our lives. May we complete every single plan that you have for us, every single plan that you dreamed up for us when you made this world and you saw all of us in this place thousands of years later. We pray that you would have your way in us and through us. God, I pray that you would give us an insatiable desire to see people come to know you. You have that desire. Break our hearts, Lord, if we do not have that same desire. Holy Spirit, just come and help us to be people who want to see the lost come home. Help us be bridge builders. God, we thank you for what you are, who you are, and all that you want to do in us and through us. And we pray in the name of the one who calls nothing impossible, Jesus. Amen.
May God bless you, and we'll see you next week.